Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, and 100.5 The Game out in Florence. Guys, we're three days away. I think Colin and I did the math. We're roughly 80, 80 hours away from kickoff, I believe, as we're sitting here at 11 a.m. on Wednesday morning. I'm surprised Colin let you do math on it and, and talk about 80 hours. Is he okay with not now Now that we're into more we're hours in and days? Like yeah, he's, final push. I, we're in the end game now. I, I think I broke him about three weeks ago where I think he just accepted it at that point because I do it every day. So he's cool with it. So there's just nothing he could nothing he say could do, at that it, point? Because he knows I'm going to do it. Well, you are the host, so you can Boom. do what you want. There we go. I run the show. Wes yeah, is happy. Wes is happy because we're in real football. No week zero. Yeah. Well, well, we're now in the brief depth chart season leading up to very, actual very football season. Yes. Which I'll take that over week zero. I'll take that over talking season. <laughs> take that over countdown season. Give us some football. We got some good Thursday games. I mean, these are pretty solid. Get a look at Florida. Get a look at Utah. Get a look at Nebraska. Pretty pretty good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty excited to get a look at Florida because again, not very high on Florida. They might prove me wrong. I, I don't know yeah. if beating Utah will be some watershed moment if they do it. Utah's well, had some injury questions. Yeah, and I don't think if if I remember correctly, Utah was the favorite team going into last year's matchup yep. and is able to pull out, tight game, the win down to the wire there. So I imagine Utah's going to be favored again. We obviously know Florida's had a bit of a rough offseason, um, but they could jump up and surprise us again. Who knows? Yeah, I think Gator- I saw Utah, six and a half point favorite. Yeah, six and a half point favorite, but you know, not sure st- if they're a little steep. Steep. Not sure if their quarterback's going to play. 
yet, unless something's come out in the last several hours. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of an interesting game. Curious to get a look at those guys. Uh, what cupcake does Georgia have to start, Tyler? Hey, UT Martin. UT Martin. Whew. But I can guarantee you, mm. Kirby is selling that. Mm. Like they're the, what, uh, 85 Bears? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pick your great team. Now, he claims he did not say they were going 7-5 and five or whatever. Um, he, he claims quoted, that. He somebody claims said it. Somebody, somebody definitely said it. We actually have some plot twists, guys. Let's, let's go to Gamecocks, North Carolina. So, a couple national predictions for the Gamecocks now. Uh-oh. You see this, Wes? No. Uh-oh. Josh Pate picking the Gamecocks. That's right. J.D. Piquel, our boy at on three, picking the Gamecocks. All right, so now... Mac Brown is happy. Mac Brown is now... Consuming this content, nobody he, believes in us. Nobody, Everybody's picking. Everybody's them. Pick, now he's getting. You know, he's running out of content. It was now. Now his material has been replenished. Shane Beamer, on the other hand, is 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 I think firing back a little bit. Not firing back at Matt Brown, but he he's starting to as the game approaches. I'm not too happy with how my team has practiced lately. And the, look, he's not making that up. There's no doubt. He's not. He, he was unhappy about Tuesday, but he's very public about it. Here's what he had to say yesterday about Tuesday's practice. A um, little both. Um, I mean, it was, you know, we were in the pouring down rain, which is no excuse. That would be me seeking comfort by saying it was wet and all that. Just disappointed that it, you know, would be a uh, game week and and uh, not have the, the physical mindset and intensity and urgency that we need to have. And again, it wasn't bad altogether. I mean, particularly on offense, a play can look like crap and but you go back and look at the tape and it's you know, it's one guy here if he just has better footwork or technique or whatever, it could be a big play. So you don't want to you know overreact and I'm not, but there also needs to be a a mindset and an intent to to get better every time you you take the field. And uh, I don't know if we had that for the entire two hours and 15 minutes that we were out there this morning. I appreciate his self-containment by saying crap so we could actually play that one on the radio, but very clearly frustrated with what he saw yesterday morning. And look, no coach is going to say, yes, we had a perfect practice, especially on game week because you always want to continue to build and continue to get better. But it sounds like wasn't wasn't the best practice by any means yesterday morning. How about the self-awareness of Shane Beamer to say, yeah, you know, if I make an excuse, that would be me seeking comfort um, <laughs> in something by giving, giving us an out. Uh, I thought that was very interesting, kind of a, a deep thought there from the head coach. So I, I, there's obviously stories out there from the quotes yesterday about this and posted one of them on Facebook. First response. Oh no! Uh uh oh! Here we go. Yep. I, I I put. I was gonna say very little. Actually, I put no stock whatsoever in this having any indication of what we're gonna see on Saturday night in Charlotte. Okay. I I've heard, I've heard stories inside the the program or people around the program for years. Hey. Incredible practices this week. Great practices. And then lay an egg on Saturday. I've heard, eh, looking kind of ugly. Play a great game on Saturday. So I I don't go, guys, as far as saying this is just a motivational tactic. Like I know some people, their response was the opposite. Oh, this is the Lou Holtz. This is the <laughs> sure. just, um, 
I, I firmly believe Shane Beamer that he's annoyed by the lack of urgency in practice on Tuesday. However, you'd much rather your coach be getting the attention of his team on Tuesday afternoon than on Sunday afternoon <laughs> after playing a terrible game on Saturday night. So I, I'm not really concerned about this. Everybody, there's always room for a bad practice here and there. I, I, would, I would guess with the leadership they have on this team, they have a much better practice this morning. And Shane Beamer, you know, the public, number one, the public doesn't see practice anymore in this era of college football. It's very rare, actually. And so that's the case here. The media gets to see some snippets. But, Wes, we know from Beamer's first two seasons here and another spring, summer, and preseason, you know, he, he has more of an edge than probably he's given credit for. And there have been multiple occasions where he's gotten after this team. Um, you know, a, a post-practice huddle, in in the middle of a practice huddle. You know, and, and he mentioned yesterday during that same press conference that Tuesday is typically a very tough practice for them. You know, the schedule is kind of Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices. Uh, I think they're going to do a walkthrough here in Columbia Friday, then go up to Charlotte, and then obviously you, you go play the game on Saturday. And so it's really Tuesday is, you know, a, a demanding day, a competitive physical day, um, and it kind of sets the tone for the week. And so Beamer is careful to say, like, not everything was bad. But I think him, just the way he thinks and what he wants to see out of this team, clearly it, it wasn't good enough yesterday in some areas. And so I, I agree with you, Wes. I mean, for him, for it to happen on Tuesday might have served as a good wake-up call. And I think we'll hear better things in terms of how this team responds. Probably Carolina calls on Thursday. He's probably going to address it. And yep. my guess is he says, uh, I'm happy with how he responded after that practice. You can list Carolina calls right here on the game coming up at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Tyler on fire with the segues today. Boom. Nice, Tyler. <laughs> so let's, I guess, go into some more from the press conference. I, uh, I thought it was interesting as well, Beamer talking about the depth chart in this. We are in depth chart season right now. We are in depth chart season. Until Saturday. I mean, until, until Saturday. We say until kickoff. Like, that's the no, end of during the game. season. During the game. So, but but he talked about, remember how we were like, oh, we were a little surprised. There weren't those orders at wide receiver past the starters. You know, orders <laughs> between <laughs> second and third team. We were like, eh, little surprise. Maybe maybe didn't throw another running back on there and throw an or in there too. But Beamer very specifically said, Hey, just because there aren't oars just littering the rest of the depth chart, that does not mean that we're settled on all these spots. Let's hear the full context of what he had to say about those oars yesterday. Yeah, I just read that was South Florida, I think, had like, was it 53? 30-some oars? That's awesome. Um, uh Man, um, I try to be good to you guys and limit the oars. Uh, if you saw an oar, then yes, it's because the competition, the battle is still going on, uh, which it is at every position, but especially at those positions. And then if you saw the oar 
at what was it, defensive end. I think we threw oars in for like six different guys. That's real. Um, competition's still ongoing, and uh, I would expect to see all of those guys on Saturday night as well. You know, so again, uh, I know that uh, I think Coach Saban he said what he said yesterday about depth charts and all that as well. And and I kind of I get it. I mean, the depth chart is listed a certain way, but we may start the game defensively and. A, a unique personnel grouping or we may start the game offensively in a unique personnel grouping that puts somebody that's listed as a backup in the game as a starter. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, those guys that are listed on that depth chart, you're going to see them Saturday night. And then you're also going to see a lot of guys that aren't on the depth chart um, as well. So that's what we're, uh, we'll see where we are on Saturday. For those curious, I think I counted on South Florida's depth chart a total of 31 oars, basically it's just a roster, essentially, is what they listed. <laughs> the depth chart is of the roster, just a carbon copy? Pretty much. Man, that's... So be glad you're not having to deal with that. How, how about the... You're also going to see a lot of guys who aren't on yeah. the depth chart on Saturday as well. So who are those guys? Well, Colin and I talked about that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And come back, yeah. dive into that. I have some thoughts. Coming up. Because there's a lot of names that have the possibility of getting some action that weren't on the two deep on Monday. With that coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. Tyler West and Chris along with you. Of course, coming up Saturday night, it is kickoff for game number one for the Gamecocks. Taking on the Tar Heels. Kickoff is the 7.30. Pre-game coverage here on the game in Columbia starts at 2.30 with Gamecocks game day with myself and Terry Ford. Pre-game coverage out in Myrtle Beach will start at 4.30 when the network kicks in, leading you straight up until kickoff at 7.30. So keep it locked right here on the game all week long for all your coverage, leading you right up to kickoff for the Gamecocks. Talking about the depth charts, we heard from Shane Beamer just a moment ago. Obviously, the depth chart we saw the other day in the media guide was a two-deep but there are a lot of guys not listed that are going to get the opportunity to play, to some degree at least, come Saturday night. And I think one of the most obvious positions is definitely running back. You have to carry on Jordan and Juju McDowell listed as one and two, but we expect DJ Braswell and Mario Anderson to get some form of touches as well come Saturday night. Guys, I thought it was pretty interesting. Beamer, first of all, also saying, hey, if there's an or, chances are all those guys may get a look. So... You know, you look at Sidney Fugar, Jackson Hughes at left tackle, Case and Henry, Tyshawn Wanamaker at right tackle. You know, I would say pretty good chance three or four of those guys play. Uh, the defensive end spots slash, you know, edge, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call them all. Six different guys listed for those two spots. Some of that's going to be highly determined by the health of Tyreek Johnson, JT Gear, as far as the rotation. Could see six guys in there. And then, yeah, running back is a spot. I, I've always thought it was kind of, it's really hard to get four guys in the flow. So, you know, Chris, you know I'm, I'm high on DJ Braswell. Oh, yeah. 
When we were I, talking yesterday, that was the first name you brought up yes. in this category of, of guys not on the depth chart who could play. Well, I I heavily included him in our bold predictions piece yes. on Gamecock Central. However, I I I say that fully knowing let let's say let's say he's the fourth guy right now. Mm-hmm. Let's just play it out. You know, to carry on's one, Juju's two. That would put Mario Anderson third and then DJ fourth, if that is the case. It's I, I always look at running back position. It's kind of like a two plus one. Like if both of those guys are are healthy, nobody gets banged up whatsoever, you really can only rotate two guys pretty equally. And then you kind of have that third guy that that goes in as a bit of a change of pace. And it, you generally don't get to the fourth guy unless somebody, you know, gets banged up and has to come out or you either have a big lead or the opposite, you are getting beat pretty handily. So I I, I still think we probably do see Braswell this week. I don't know that we will. I think you will certainly see Braswell in the mix next week against Furman. Don't disrespect Furman. Sorry. Sorry, Furman guy. Um, but I also wonder, so Juju McDowell, I think, is the guy on this list that you sort of circle and you say, it can go two ways. If Juju kind of takes another step forward and in some ways um, kind of does some of the game-breaking things we saw him do as a true freshman then he can actually hold off those guys and be potentially even more than, oh, this this tag we put on him. Oh, he's just a change of pace guy. Or, as the season progresses, the, the much bigger Mario Anderson and, you know, a big speedy guy in DJ Braswell, I think could potentially kind of roll into that number two spot. So I, I think that's an unknown at this position. It's not a question like it's a bad thing. Right. I think that's just something that we're going to have to see play out in the games in real time, basically. Well, and there's there's eventually, not game one, like you said, there's going to be a cut line where whoever is fourth, realistically, probably doesn't factor in much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's just... Now, we, let's compare it to last season. I know it's a different offensive coordinator, right? I know it's a different year. But when you just look at the amount of snaps in a game, and this is also a team that we think may throw the ball more as a percentage mm-hmm. compared to what we saw last season, so bear that in mind. But let's just take a, a, a four-game sample last year from the SEC, SEC games. So in the Arkansas game, and I know the narrative is they didn't run the ball enough in that game, but the carries were pretty even between Juju, Marshawn Lloyd, and then Jaheim Bell got a few. You go to the Kentucky game, Marshawn got by far the lion's share of the carries, but Juju and Jaheim got a handful of carries. You go to the A&M game, Marshawn got the lion's share of the carries, but CBS got eight. Juju and Jaheim each got two. And then Vandy, Jaheim Bell was the leading rusher, and then uh, CBS and Juju got a handful. So what what's the common theme? You had three guys. One game you had a, a two backs get two carries each. That's kind of inconsequential. So eventually there's going to come a point where 
you have probably you have a lead back, then you got the second guy, and then you kind of got the third guy. That, that's probably how it's going to play out. So who? My question is who ends up being two through four? I think to carry on probably keeps number one throughout the season. Probably. You, you had a face, Wes. Yes? No? No, I'm I'm agreeing. Okay. Yeah. So is number two Juju, like you said, or does somebody else kind of rise? Because who, whoever's number four, there's just not enough room to get significant carries. Well, I think Juju gets the benefit of the doubt because he's yeah. the only one that has played significant running back snaps at this mm-hmm. level of college football yes. before. And again, point. we knew to carry on was going to be the number one guy coming into the season. But yeah, it's kind of Juju's second spot until somebody else proves otherwise, I guess. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. a great way to put it. The, the interesting thing about running back, and if you if you really kind of look at all the different positions in football, there is kind of a flow to how the rotations typically work, but it's different for each position. Running back is one of those spots where you're three, and then to Chris's point, you get down to your fourth. If you go into a game, oh, I'm I'm fourth string today. You know, it you, you maybe don't get in the game. Mm-hmm. However, two guys step wrong and roll an ankle, <laughs> and you can go from, oh man, I got the best seat in the house. I'm watching to, oh, I'm carrying the ball 15 times. And, and and I know that's true for any position. There's always that line where, all right, I go from not playing at all to playing. But I feel like at, at no other position except for maybe quarterback when you're talking about starter versus backup. You know, one guy rolls an ankle, the backup goes from playing no snaps to playing 65 snaps. But running back, there's there's kind of a clear gap between two and three. And then there's kind of a clear gap between three and four in terms of how it plays out and how the rotation works. But remember Brandon Wilds. Ah, I love this one. He goes from fifth string fifth. guy to start the year to rushing for 100 yards. Tyler will appreciate this one against the Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville. <laughs> yep. So you can go from you're not really playing to, hey, man, we're putting this thing on your shoulders, right? Carry the load. Yep. Um, so I, that that's going to be a fascinating. Just how when we pull up the PFF snap counts after each game, what does it look like on this coming Sunday? But then what does it look like after Week Five? Uh, could could be very different. And then, but the unpredictable is you never know who's going to get just dinged up. That's a position where. Guys are going to get dinged up. It doesn't even have to be serious, but you're going to have bruises, rolled ankles, stuff like that. It always plays a role. Right. There's certainly a lot more names that, again, that did not show up on this 2DP the other day that we'll get the opportunity to potentially see the field come Saturday night. We'll hit on a few more of those coming up as we roll along with the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. We're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris along with you guys before we jump back into the discussion about depth charts. 
South Carolina is pretty good at special teams, right? Decent. There's a chance they could score a special teams touchdown Saturday night, correct? Always. Well, if they do, and you're registered, you could win a $100 gift card when South Carolina scores a special teams touchdown. Go online to 1075thegame.com and sign up for your opportunity because every week on Monday, Bill and Preston will pick a winner live on the air to receive a $100 gift card if the Gamecocks score a special teams touchdown that weekend. If they don't, that money rolls over to the next week. So that means Ooh. Furman potentially have $200 on the line if they don't score one this weekend. But you talk about the best special teams unit in the country, we're going to have some folks getting paid this year. So they're giving away $100 every week, basically. As long <laughs> as they score a special teams touchdown, yes. No, that's, that's my point. They, uh, I mean, they got a, they got as good a shot as anybody Very good in shot. the country. Yes. Um, cool. I like that. So it's awesome. Put even more faith than Pete Limbo, which you should have yes. plenty anyway. It, best, it's best not possible in for me to put any more faith. I you, you know, there, there's some so contests where you hear it and you're like, well, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to register for that. That one, you got a good shot. You got a real Indeed. good shot. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, 1075thegame.com for your opportunity to win $100 gift card with the special teams touchdowns promotion. Back to the conversation about depth charts, and we talked a, a lot about the running backs in that last segment there. I was talking about this with Colin earlier. He threw out an interesting name of somebody that could potentially see the field not listed. Why not Lenora Sellers? Mm, why not Lenora Sellers? I mean, obviously, Spencer's the starting quarterback. As long as he stays healthy, knock on wood, hopefully that's the case, but we saw those glimpses of what Sellers is capable of in the spring game, and maybe it's a goal line situation, maybe it's a package on short yardage here and there, but there's there's opportunities where he could come in. Yeah. My y'all y'all know this is near and dear to my heart. Like I I've been calling for the sellers <laughs> the sellers package for months. Well, like, what's your point? Like what yeah. are we discussing here? Yeah. I I mean two hundred and well, he's not on the depth chart, so I can't tell you. 241 pounds, is that right? 244 pounds. Um, either way, my man's pushing 240 pounds. Big dude, athletic, runs hard, has the arm as well. We, we've been talking about are can, can they effectively run the football all year long, or all offseason long, I should say. Then... We know to carry on Joyner is going to be your running back, so that sort of opens up that wild card spot. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm there. Like I'm, I'm all in on this idea. Do we see it this week? Maybe, maybe not. Do we see it week six? Maybe. You know, I, I think it's something. You know, if you have this guy, you're not, you're not just sort of throwing out that possibility. Like, I think it's a, a real possibility. And I think if he plays, you know, a lot of folks have asked, will he have, you know, a package of plays? Does, does he get a drive? I tend to think no. That's just my, not no to the package, but no to like taking Spencer Rattler off the field in game one in a game of this importance. And as good as Lenore, as good as I think Lenore Sellers is going to be, and I could get almost hyperbolic with how good I think he's going to be. I, I still don't see that. But, if you're down there and it's second and goal from the three, I'm thinking hard about it, about putting him in there. Because you remember, I mean, the, the size, the balance, speed, the power, running the football, the, the threat, obviously, to throw the football. Um, 
watching this kid in high school, and that's a, obviously a far cry from you know, playing a college football game, a Power 5 game, but I mean, he, he was automatic in those situations, and he has translatable traits to where you think he could do it. So I would, uh, I would not be shocked if we saw that. Is there going to be any concern with preserving him as a redshirt this year and limiting him mm. in the number of games he plays? Or is it like, hey, he's as good as we think he's going to be. He's only going to be here for a short time anyway. Let's use him as much as we can. I don't, I don't want to speak for anybody in the building over there. This is not sourced. This is my opinion. But I say, I say no concern whatsoever. I, I think if you feel like he can help you win a game, if you feel like he can help you be in a better position to win a game, then you you play him. I mean, that, I think that's that's just that. That's it. You know, I, I think it also would serve him well to go ahead and and get some playing time and and to get out there and and sort of get the any potential butterflies out and, and go ahead and get that experience. And I just think, like Chris was just saying, the threat of him throwing the ball. Obviously, maybe that's not as much of a factor if you're at goal. You know, goal to go from the two, but. If you're at third, third and two for midfield, just putting him in naturally, and defenses are already going to be up near the line of scrimmage just because of down and distance situation. They see another quarterback come in. They are going to um, react to that. I think, I mean, if we really want to play this out like a video game, which we know it's not, but <laughs> can, can you imagine just putting the speed threat of Harbor just on the field, just as a threat on the outside, and then doing some of the Tebow style, um, you know, fake quarterback draw, fake quarterback power, and throwing off of that. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of fun stuff as the season progresses. Again, it's a long year, right? We don't know if we're going to see any of this on Saturday night. Maybe they do on Saturday. Say, hey, we're we, seven is our guy. He's on the field this entire game. Maybe they say that for, for week one. But as the year progresses and you sort of see where your deficiencies are, maybe you say, man, we, we are struggling to get first downs on, on third and short, fourth and short. I think that's got to be a possibility you heavily consider. And let, let's, play, let's say this game plays out. And let's say South Carolina, win or loss, let's say they don't run the football very well. That, that will be a talking point. Mm-hmm. among the fan base we're going to talk about it on monday again win or loss because it's going to kind of it, it's been such a point of emphasis going into this season that if they struggle to run the ball and sellers hitting on the field then that will be a storyline and, and people will say well he might need to be out there and maybe we do see that adjustment again i i do tend to err on huge game week one you're not playing Furman. sorry Furman. You're not playing uh, UT Martin or Ball State, Tyler. You're playing North Carolina. You're playing a Power 5 school. And and Spencer Rattler, let's not lose him in this conversation, not from a running perspective, but the feeling around the program is he's ready to take a big leap and be a really, really good explosive player this year too. You don't want to take him off the field a lot, especially in week one. No, Absolutely. Um, a couple more names to, to look at as uh, we'll jump over the defensive side of the ball here really quick. I know one guy that you guys are very, very high on, Vicari Swain, at the quarterback spot now listed on the two deep and, and somebody that uh, made a lot of noise over the past couple of weeks at camp and somebody that certainly, when you talk about rotating guys in and out, could be a factor as well. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm excited to see Vakari as the year progresses. I, I think he's a potential special teams guy as well. Uh, Bam Martin Scott, who is, uh, is currently questionable once he gets healthy, he's someone you're going to see mixed in in this linebacking core, especially uh, I think when Carolina has three. They didn't list the third linebacker. That's not in their base package. Sometimes you'll see teams still listed on here. I think if he was healthy, if he is healthy, then I, that, that would be a, something you'd see from him. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of other guys. I got a couple. Some defensive tackles. We talked about this. It's yep. like we were reading Shane Beamer's mind. We were predicting the future. We talked about this on the show yesterday, I think, before Beamer said. He probably listened to the show and was like, I should address probably that. probably what yeah. it was. But, exactly uh, what, what happened. What, what else you got, Chris? Well, Peyton Mangum. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Nick Carber made the two deep. Yep. And so, in lieu of there being an or, we figured Eddie Lewis would make it. Sure. You know, Omega Blake with the offseason he had. Not a surprise that Nick Carver made it. But but Peyton Mangum, he could get in that top six. Beamer said yesterday, you know, that's kind of still up in there. Who's the next three after their starters who are pretty entrenched? Um, so, he comes to mind. And, th- and then Drew Tuazama at edge. I mean, he, he certainly won. Well, and, and Beamer said he was going to get the opportunity to yeah. play against North Carolina. How many snaps that is, we don't know, but something. We don't, uh, but you, you kind of you look at it. Um, JT Gears won. That he's one of those guys that has missed some time and been banged up and is questionable going into the game. So you're already down a guy. That Maybe that increases the chance that Drew T plays a little more. We know that Terrell Dawkins and, and Tyreek Johnson, who spent some time in blue during the preseason and they're still battling one of those spots they were they made up two of those those oars that we had two of the four oars um you know that maybe these things increase the likelihood that drew to his can a get on the field and maybe even play a few more snaps than we originally anticipated but kind of hard to predict at this point yeah absolutely well one more real quick talking about Peyton Mangrum also Elijah Caldwell somebody we hadn't talked yeah. about whole lot these past couple weeks got a lot of attention over the summer somebody else took a factor into that wide receiver rotation too yeah some other guys some walk-on guys there joseph morris got some reps with the second team eric rice got some run i think with the third team maybe one of some guys were banged up so there's a i i got a feeling especially once you get into week two generally coaches tend to air heavily towards their guys that they that have played and that they trust in a week one situation you got to try to eliminate as many possible negatives as possible but i think going into week two and then once you sort of get into the flow of the season we could see i mean five six seven other guys beyond the starting three get looks at receiver and it's just going to be about who outperforms everybody else in terms of which guys get those reps as the year goes on past that. Absolutely. We will preview the coordinator speaking coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's a busy week. Tomorrow afternoon, Jay and Terry are going to be broadcasting the halftime show 
live at the Nest Plumbing and Electrical Showroom on Gadsden Street here in Columbia. And of course, Carolina Calls coming up with Coach Beamer tomorrow night at 6 o'clock right here on the game. Uh, quick loser wrap up here. I love Facebook memories where it will randomly like tell you, hey, you have memories to look back on from five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it may be. I just checked my phone in the last break and a convenient memory popped up from this day back in 2012. Tyler Head on his Facebook status put, Steve Spurrier better go give that ref a big kiss on the lips after that one. Now that was the day that South Carolina opened their season on the road at Vanderbilt and won the game 17-13. to Any idea what I was referring to? Um... Hmm. No, it's not coming to me. I I, I thought there was going to be some kind of South Carolina Georgia tweet, but you, you're well. You're, he initially, wants to forget initially, I thought about Georgia. that, but I was like, wait a minute, that game was wasn't later, until later in the later season. in the year. So I, something to do with the season opening game against Vanderbilt in 2012. I feel like there is a big pi call late in that game. Maybe might be what you're referring to. There's a good chance based on what I said. Yes, because Car- Carolina was down. Yeah, tight game. And, and had to drive down. I think Justice Cunningham had a big catch. Oh, where he got lit up. Still yeah. caught the ball. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That It was raining during that game. It mm-hmm. was, that thing was ugly. That was, I mean, that, that was one of the best teams. I say the best team in school history and very nearly lost that game. You know oh. the quarterback for Vandy in that game? Was it Jordan Rodgers? It was. Nice. Good pull. Was Aaron still talking to him at that point in time? <laughs> or you cut off communication with the family? I don't know. No idea. That Vandy team had some good players, though, actually. Zach Stacy was uh, Jordan Matthews. Was was 13 Franklin's last year at Vandy? Is that right? Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. He, he had a good couple of years there. Yeah. Some of those Vandy team Vandy games got a little iffy at times. Oh, yeah. Just straight up losses some, are just iffy. Some spicy Vandy teams. James uh, Franklin did a great job there. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't gloss over that. He was... He was impressive. Guys, I was thinking earlier this week about the game Saturday. And y'all know at the end of last year, I mean, th- think about the Cam Smith quote that I, I won't repeat. But um, <laughs> South Carolina's offense and just their entire mindset had that same sort of, um, we're just, we're just going to let this thing fly. You know, they went into the Tennessee game with that mindset because you felt like you had to to keep up with their offense. Right. And then it was almost like, yeah, there's a sense of that against Clemson too. But it was kind of, to me it felt like, well, that our guys played so loose and so free. You have to take that same mindset into the Clemson game. You got a play action deep ball to your running back on fourth and one in your own territory. Um, trick plays in the bowl game as well. I wonder, especially against a – very talented quarterback on the other sideline. Do we see South... Like, is this South Carolina's identity now that we're just going to... Fourth fourth and one, we're just going for that. Um, we're going to be uber aggressive. Because we saw Shane Beamer be super, super aggressive year one. Like, like PlayStation-style aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I think he quickly realized we just don't have the offense to be this aggressive because going forward on fourth down a lot only works if you have an offense that can execute for you on fourth down. We saw late last year, he kind of went back to that. 
I, I'm very curious to see is that is that what this team will be just in terms of mindset and approach to the game. Do you think that, uh, let's say South Carolina scores first on Saturday. Does Beams just say we're going for two? Does he pull that? He did that both of the past two years. Is that right? He, he definitely did it against Eastern Illinois. I can't remember against Georgia State. I don't know either. I know they were he, aggressive in both of those. Yeah, they did in the they did in the bowl game against UNC, right? Didn't they go for two off the bat or no? They've gone for two so many times that, like off the bat, like here yeah. it is, like not situational. And and Beamer made a little mention of that the other day too. You know, you know, Mac, you know, Mac Brown's going to be ready for that too. So if you're gonna, it, it's got to be if you're going to do a trick two point, it's got to be a tricky one, like one that. Isn't doesn't just work because they're not expecting it. It right. has to have oh. an, an additional element of surprise to it. That would be a good question to ask Dow Loggins later today when the coordinators speak to the media for the final time ahead of game well, number one. I don't think one. he's going to answer that. Well, question. he's not going to answer it, but <laughs> you just want to see what he says. Just like every player that's been asked, hey, what's this offense look like? And they've kept it tight lipped, and maybe they do come out there in the triple option. Who knows? But they've not given us very much insight into what it's going to look like Saturday night. It's not going to be the triple option. It's not going to be the triple option. I can tell option. you that. I'm, I'm, as much as thinking. you want it to be, it is not. So, so um, South Carolina, in the last UNC game, they went for two on the second touchdown. Second. Oh, okay. so they made it 15 to nothing. So they'll go for it on the third touchdown this time. <laughs> Just, Just when up. they're least expecting it. That's yes. right. Just keep moving forward, one. There's something. It, it, this is tough on UNC. Yeah. I mean, right, because... Like with Chip, we talked about this, but with Chip Lindsey, if you're Clayton White looking at Chip Lindsey, th- there's some questions, but you have a lot of tape to draw on. And you have a lot of the Chip Lindsey kind of where he came from as far as the coaching tree. I mean, you have tape on Dow Loggins, and you have tape from what Spencer did at Oklahoma and what they did here last year. There's just a lot more mystery around it, I think. And, and so I, I think North Carolina has the tougher job from a scheme standpoint of figuring out what's going to be happening here. Right. Again, just three days away, a little under 80 hours to go until kickoff. Finally getting some answers to these questions we've had the entire offseason. Coordinators coming up later this afternoon. We'll have plenty of sound from them. Coming up tomorrow on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Up next is the Halftime Show with myself, Elijah Caldwell, right here on the game. Elijah Campbell, not Caldwell.